Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Flight Plate Podcast. I am a co-host, Josh Wenis, joined as usual by touring professional Jordan Castro. Jordan, how are we doing tonight? Doing well. It is Tuesday. We are recording, and it's let's do it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've got we've got a fun show here. There's a lot of cool stuff going on that we're going to talk about here. Um, and uh, we'll just dive right into it. Let's let's start right off the bat. Obviously, we had uh, Disc Golf Pro Tour action this weekend. We're putting that on the back burner right now because we got to talk about your weekend, Jordan. You had a tournament yourself, a little unusual for you in being a two-round same-day tournament. How'd that go? Yeah, it was a, a two-day tournament. It's been a long time since I've been able to do that. Uh, but yeah, locally here in Phoenix, uh, at, it's called the Conocido Conquest. So it's pretty much we play at the course and a temp layout. So two rounds of 20. Um, first round didn't go too too well, obviously. I don't know if people seen it, but I shot a 945. Uh, it was just one of those rounds where um, it was pretty much lots of OB. And if you didn't um, um, like cross up inbounds, you're kind of pretty much reteeing. And some of the shot shapes were super hard for me. It kind of reminded me of D-Globe without the elevation. So like that Heiser flip turnover let it go so my angles were just a little off um i was telling some of the card mates that like it's so weird to feel good in practice or like the week the like the whole practice rounds i think i played five or six rounds like throwing the tee shots throwing the putts so everything felt good going to the tournament then that first round was just like a complete flip switch so uh yeah shot 945 that put me in like what 14th or 15th then the second round i just kind of like i mean Obviously, when you shoot like that, when you're like my caliber player, it's kind of like frustrating but motivating because you know like that next round is going to be better or whatever. So I got a a smoothie during lunch because I usually don't really eat. And after that, I just uh, got to the course before pretty much everybody back and just kind of dialed everything in and it felt good. Kind of knowing what I was missing out on and just kind of the shots, shapes, and just everything. So obviously, first hole, I, I... two strokes better i mean i go from a double from a to a regular so that was huge then i mean i went after that nine for nine for nine with an eagle so a hole that was like 450 feet i i threw it and i literally let go of it and i was like oh that's not enough like i didn't feel like i threw it well enough and it just kept going and because it's like a big turnover over a tree but like that distance at 450 was super tough for me to get to and during practice, this was a basket location change. So like I didn't get to practice as much as I wanted to. Then all of a sudden I threw it like 30 short and it took a big skip over the basket. I thought I aced it. Um, then it was like a foot away. So I turned into an Eagle and I just got really hot nine through 10 and I ended up shooting 12 under and that jumped me from 14, 15 spot all the way to ninth. So I averaged like uh, 970, 980, just cause that first round and obviously not, not what I want. I mean, especially a tournament, but cashing's always good and just playing locally and just kind of supporting the, the local clubs and everything. So it was a good weekend guys, tons of competition, those 970, 990s, couple thousand rated guys, they, sh- they showed up to play. And I mean, it was a, a course that everybody could reach. Everything was in 300 to 400 foot range. And if you were 
within 20 feet, you had to make the putt. So, um, putting's putting, man, just got something to work on. And like I said, I've put in a lot of work this, this week and, uh, well last week technically, and it felt good. Then tournament comes and just play not the greatest, but those things, those things happen, right? Yeah, absolutely. And to put it all in perspective for people who may not have, have been following or seen the, the results or anything, I mean, the top five players were all sub 1,000 rated, but they all averaged over 1,000. Some of them well over 1,000. I mean, the winning, uh, Henry Manahan, I'll just go ahead and, and shout him out here, 994 rated, and he averaged like 1050, which is just crazy good. Um, it was fun. I got to say, so it was, it was frustrating watching the first round, um, watching your scores, but then that second round watching the scores, I mean, that was, that was pretty damn exciting. I can't lie about that. It was fun to see, especially the opening, like you said, the going, uh, nine for nine with an Eagle in there. So 10 down through nine there or through 10, I guess, technically, cause you parted the first one, but, uh, just a solid, solid second round, especially the first half of it. Um, the way you talked about that eagle, man. If you, if I'd have seen a one on there, I would have. That would have blown my mind. Uh, that would have been awesome. Jeez, that would have been great. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's a 450 foot shot. Um, it's kind of like that tweener hole where it's just like if you take a three on it, it's just like all right, fine. But if you take a two, you're like all right, that feels good. Um, but really, uh, four is just like feels like a bogey. It's one of those tweener holes. And that's how, they had three of them out there where it's just like it's kind of like at my type of level it's just like all right here's a silver platter with a birdie on it go get it like you you miss your putt it's just like all right birdie walk away then the other ones were just the same way so um yeah it felt good that second round just put everything together and missed a couple putts that first or that second round versus like six or seven that first round which is just like mentally frustrating um but yeah uh new opportunity new uh, to finish on a high note like that was very exciting for sure yeah, absolutely. Um, so fun to watch. And, you know, like you said, I mean, ended up cashing. You were there at home, so it wasn't like you had to travel, you know, to Texas. You weren't in Tyler, you know, playing um, or anything like that. So a little bit of a different atmosphere there and, and uh, all around, you know, an, an improvement, which I'm sure, if nothing else, is good to see. So um, awesome. Awesome. So let's move on then. Speaking of, of Texas and speaking of Tyler, move over to Tyler, Texas and Texas State's Texas State Disc Golf Championships, um, and man, this is this is fun to watch. I enjoyed watching this as much as I could. Um, the men's side, the MPO, taken down by I shouldn't say men's. The MPO side, taken down by uh, Ricky Wysocki, one stroke over Calvin Heimberg, uh, and then following right behind them, uh, a couple strokes behind them, Greg Barsby, who was the uh, one of the course designers here as well. So let's jump right in, though, quick, and talk about this. Waisaki is now 6-for-6 six six at Texas States. He plays Texas States. He wins Texas States. I thought we were done with that uh, going into round three. I really did. You know, Kelvin was playing really, really well. He seemed to be, you know, on par. And even in that last round, he seemed seemed solid, looked great. Um, but, man, there's something about Rick. I, I don't know. This, this tournament, it kind of fit him. Uh, did you have any any big takeaways from the the top three there specifically? Anything that you saw? Yeah, it just it was just awesome to see. I mean, Greg being a local there now. I know he moved from 
uh, California out to Texas, and that's his home area too. Then Calvin's just been playing well. Then Ricky's, I mean, six for six out there is insane. I, I tuned in and watched coverage um, a couple days, and it was just it was awesome to see. I mean, every hole out there was scorable, and like you can see who was on and who was off, and uh, how they can attack the holes too. Uh, but yeah, a lot of a lot of mixed emotions from a lot of the my tour friends where they some of them liked it some didn't like it but overall it's just kind of like uh page said in the skins match just like you, you're catering to spectators and players so like there's no right and no, there's no wrong which just it's a, it's kind of a learning curve too you know yeah absolutely and and it was a, a different layout the thorn layout is is a combination of the three tracks that they have there so um, it was a little bit different. We saw some holes we're used to, some that we aren't necessarily used to or haven't seen recently. Um, but uh, overall, I enjoyed watching the course. I thought it was a fun course. You had a good mix of open and uh, wooded holes in there um, and some challenging shots. So um, definitely very, very cool. I got to ask this just because it's been kind of a topic. I, I know Nick and Matt talked about it a little bit. What did you think of the pyramid on hole one? It was super cool. Uh, I mean, I think the bottom of the pyramid was like 30 feet or if not, if not closer or something, yep. but like, it's scary. Like the, the wind that they had was like either a headwind or a right to left. So like, if you're, you don't hit that shot, right, you're left then you have to lay up and hopefully you land it safe, but it's just a cool, cool thing. It, it kind of reminds me of that Eagle crossing, um, scenario where the basket's on top. So like, a lot of it's, I feel like if you're within the rocks, you're running it, but if you're not within the, you're laying up. So it's either a two or a three, or I know there's some pe- some big numbers on there where someone took like a seven or five, just probably back and forth, but it's cool. I mean, it looks cool and it's challenging and like start off the whole one where you got that OB right with that road or you, and that distance, I mean, 380, like that's not no, not no gimme right away. Yeah. Including the Texas wind that they had. I mean, they had some good crosswinds coming in there. Um, I know the one thing that I, I texted you uh, when the MPO kicked off, the lead card kicked off, um, uh, just because I noticed right away, like Big Germ, in in the final round there, he threw his first shot and it it cased that bottom level of the pyramid. And I the first thing I thought of was like, oh, the disc, like just it, that solid rock that it hit. But uh, and I know Nick and, and Nick and Matt talked a little bit about that. I know Nick expressed some concern about that, but I will say that it. It wasn't just a straight elevated basket. And so that was a little bit refreshing. You had something else there. Um, you know, one of the things I will say, and this is a um, maybe a weird criticism, if you will, not even a criticism. I can't fault them at all, but um, I do landscaping for my day job. And that uh, there was some issues there that I had with that. It didn't look perfect, I got to say, but no, it, it was it was good. <laughs> I, I thought it was cool. Um, it was fun to see that. But uh Let's go back here. Let's talk about Kelvin Heinberg for a second. Now, Kelvin, you know, last year, it seemed like, uh, how best to put it? It seemed like he just never never completely put it together for a whole tournament. I know he won the Silver Series. He won a, a Silver Series event. And then uh, Ledgestone, where it was shortened, and he was a co-winner with that after two rounds, rather than not getting the full three rounds in. Um, and I, I know kind of one of the criticisms there was, can he, can he win on the big stage? And here we had again, now, is this a situation? Did you think we saw Kelvin kind of let this one slip away or did Ricky just have it in his eyes that he was walking away with this one? I think it's hard to say cause they're both so good and they're, 
I mean, obviously you can go back and say like, Hey, I missed two putts. I missed this. I missed that. But like to be that close after that round, I mean, Ricky's just Ricky. I mean, those two guys are so close. Calvin's been there like every single time. So like I was, I was rooting for Calvin just because like he was right there just playing well, like the putts coming down the stretch, even that second round where he just like made that 90 footer through the woods and like he was just on. So like I was rooting for him, but like Ricky just played well and like, putting that pressure on Calvin put it was like a chess match the whole way. And like, after seeing Nick Beth come out hot the first round, you're like, all right, here he goes again. And that second round struggling. It's like, Oh my gosh, like he's down by seven, eight, nine, if not more than that third round. Like that just shows you like you're off, you're off. And like, it happens with the best, best and the best, you know? So it was just, it was just an exciting watch. And like, that just shows the difficulty that Greg designed in like the local scene. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said with Macbeth, I mean, a 12-shot or 12-stroke difference between round one and round two, um, just unbelievable. What a struggle there. Um, But then going back to the top three again, let's talk about Greg Barsby for a second, because this is a guy who it seems like every single year there's just a tournament, one tournament or so, one or two tournaments where the dude pops off. And the thing is, is that when he doesn't pop off, he's not like fallen down to the very bottom of the deck he's just he's there like he's a consistent player it seems like um but he kind of you know he he had a heck of a weekend here and like we talked about you know he is he was one of the course designers and like you said it's where he's residing now so it stands to reason he had an awful lot of play time there and the whole course design thing, it brought up an interesting discussion that kind of came up on Twitter a little bit, even involved uh, Evan from Statmando just a little bit, um, and yours truly got in on it, that somebody thought that it was a little strange that Greg Barsby was playing in the tournament considering he had designed the course. They thought it was an unfair advantage. Um, I don't buy that personally. I mean, I think I can understand where it might be a little bit of an advantage, but I, unfair, I disagree with, because you, you know, as well as any of us listening, that you still got to throw the shots. And just because you've played a course 100 times doesn't mean you're going to hit the line that you want to throw. Um, so it, it was just a really interesting discussion, because then it was brought up, well, what about Kale? Uh, you know, Kale LaVisca. Uh Anybody else that's designed a course, like it's just an or um uh Portland last year with uh oh and then Dustin Keegan. Thank you, Mr. Keegan. Uh name was escaping me. And then I even brought up like what about like somebody like Simon Lazat who has played Maple Hill probably more than anybody on tour period. Right. Like, I mean, where do we where do we go on that? So I just thought it was silly. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to give my two cents on there. Did you I mean, do you think it it's anything more than just maybe an average advantage nothing like crazy unfair yeah i don't think it's like say a completely advantage it can go a little bit of this and that i mean you can go the same way with like barella and hamas at the memorial like playing vista playing fountain like we they live here like they spend the most time out there and like i'm right there too like i wouldn't say it's an advantage it helps a lot like i mean realistically i mean he could have been playing this layout for the whole off season you know you never know but like like you said, you, I mean, there's pros and cons and you still got to throw the shots just because, I mean, it's woods golf too. So like, if you get lucky, you get lucky. If you don't execute, you get penalized too. So like, you still have to do it and you can just show, just look at the the whole scores, like go down the list. And I mean, Kale's one of the best woods throwers in the world and he finished 23rd or if whatever he finished, but like he's, he's solid. I mean, 
it, you still have to, you still have to, you still have to. Yeah, absolutely. I know somebody said something about those course designer lines and you know what? I didn't see Greg throw anything different than what anybody else did really. So uh, it's, right. it's to me, it was just kind of a silly argument, but uh, anyways, let's go down, run down the top 10 here real quick on the MPO side, Richie, Ricky Wysocki, Calvin Heinberg, Greg Barsby, in one, two, and three, tied for fourth, Joel Freeman and James Conrad. Uh, sixth, Jeremy Colling, Gannon Burr, Paul McBeth clawing his way back up to eighth, uh, tied with Chris Dickerson and Emerson Keith. And then shout out to 11th place here, a two-way tie for 11th place, John Willis II and G.T. Hancock. Two names that do not get talked to very much about on the uh, Disc Golf Pro Tour. And both those guys, Mr. Hancock and Mr. Willis, uh, earned their USDGC bid. So congrats to them on that. Um, very, very cool. Uh, Joel Freeman. That's a name that sounds familiar here. Um, a name that, uh, I'm definitely behind. I may or may not have him on my fantasy team, but that's besides the point. Uh, great. He's playing great. I mean, watching that last round too, getting coverage. Um, yeah, I think he's on fire. Uh, anything from the top 10, Outside of uh, John Willis and GT Hancock, anything there of note that you wanted to, to talk about or to touch on? Yeah, GT Hancock, I mean, local guy in Texas, and he's, I mean, he plays that course constantly. Then John Willis, I mean, that's another guy, uh, Tyler Texas. He's the one, he's from there. He's the one who beat me in Madison uh, during the uh, Mad City Open. Solid game. It, it was awesome to see him come back from the struggle of the first uh, round and kind of like just go back to back and finish in the top 10. It kind of surprised me, but like, like you said, with the Greg thing, like he's played there, he's got the hometown feel, like he's done those shots so many times to, so, so to finally execute them was super cool to watch and just see his name. And he got a couple shout outs from all over and just his, his Facebook posts and um just seeing his name, just go up there. It's, and I saw somebody tweeted that like, oh, who's who's this guy? So it was super cool to see. It's like, I know him. He, he played well. He beat me before. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. A lot of fun. And, you know, there was the fun thing about it is there was a lot of little stuff that kind of came out through this tournament that wasn't really expected. Um, just little moments. The one that I think of, and I'm going to butcher this name, I'm sure. Uh, Jason Hebenheimer? Hebenheimer? I, I... Hebenheimer. Hebenheimer. Thank you. And Hebenheimer. the dad putt. Yep. The dad putt. Um, awesome. That was really cool to see. Uh, I hadn't seen anything like that before. And, uh, I forget who it was on coverage that, that had mentioned it, that, uh, it's like a cornhole, you, you know, it's the same if you're playing bags or whatever you call it, cornhole bags, whatever, uh, same kind of motion, interesting putt, cool to see, um, a lot of neat stuff, but the MPO coverage I thought on this was great. Uh, let's jump over real quick to the FPO side and talk about that because there was all sorts of goodies there, too. Uh, in this tournament, we saw Paige Pierce almost a, a return to form here, winning by four strokes after having uh, an absolute dominating um, first round. 58 shooting, uh, five, four-stroke lead, excuse me, four-stroke lead after one round, uh, and just continued on through the next two rounds, shooting solid golf. Kristen Tatar and Katrina Allentine for second. Valerie Mondehanu. Uh, wow, Manduhano uh, taking fourth. And an interesting stat about Valerie that came out was that that's the last nine tournaments she's played in, she's hit the top five. Like, that's that's solid. That's exciting. Uh, that's cool. It, 
very exciting. Um, and shout out to uh, Val and Mason. I just saw pictures of their RV. They got wrapped, which looks really, really cool. And Alexis, for that matter. Alexis is on there, too. Uh, got to give credit where credit's due. Uh, but then Missy Gannon and Owen Scoggins tying in fifth. Henna Blumroos coming back and taking seventh, shooting the hot round for any FPO player in the last round to get her into seventh. I mean, she was looking at like a 15th place finish without that round. So... Uh, good on her. Cat Merch played really, really well, tied with Maria Oliva in eighth, and Kona Star Panis and Jessica Weiss in tenth, tied. So uh, interesting. We saw Kona break the top ten. I know there's been kind of some criticism out there for her play so far this year with the new bag and the new contract, especially. But uh, you know, it's fun to see some other names in there too. Like we've we've talked about a lot of these names, but seeing Henna climb back up and then Cat Merch and Maria Oliva, um, good stuff there from that from the women. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, like you said, that all that contract stuff was a bit, it's frustrating, but motivating too. And like to see her, her, Hannah, see all these women battle back from the struggle. Uh, I know like they shot like six, seven over, then battled back, which is super cool to see. Yeah, absolutely. Could not agree more. Uh, wanted to do a couple quick shout outs just from, uh, noticing here. Uh, I did see that it looked like, uh, Thomas Gilbert DNF'd. I didn't quite get the ish situation with that, but uh, hope. I just hoping. Just wanted to say, hoping all is well. That's really what I wanted to say. Uh, it looks like he played for sure the first two rounds, and I don't know anything about what round three was, but um, yeah. Uh, best wishes out there to Mr. Gilbert for sure. Hopefully nothing's wrong. Let's move on here, and let's talk about some news that kind of has come out here in the past week or so that we and we didn't get to talk about last week. Uh, Eagle McMahon and his shoulder. So, uh, you know, everybody remembers he hurt his shoulder last year just before the DTPT championship filming the Jomez video, kind of a fun little video where he was trying to do a 360 forehand or fake out forehand or whatever it was. Um, and I mean, the video is out there of, of him hurting it, which is, I hate watching that kind of stuff that bugs me. But, uh, you know, so He's kind of played a little bit, hasn't thrown much forehands. He's been avoiding the forehands. But then he kind of dropped a little bit in a, a live video um, last week that just randomly at the very end of it that he was going in to get an MRI done because he feels like he has a torn labrum. Um, now, th this raised a lot of questions as to whether or not he had an MRI done originally when he hurt the shoulder, which would be kind of one of those things that you know, if a doctor thinks there's damage done, then, you know, you would get an MRI. Um, but it, it raised a lot of conversation and controversy, I think, because there's a lot of people saying like, well, why didn't Discmania push for him to get it checked out? Why didn't he push for it to get it checked out? For me personally, the way I look at it is we don't know what his medical situation is. It's the same thing with Ricky. Like when Ricky went through his Lyme disease issues and the way that he approached it and the way that he attacked it, a lot of people raise questions with that. Well, why isn't he doing the traditional route? I, his business is his business. And if Eagle, you know, whatever that is, I, I don't know. I haven't seen anything as far as a result goes. Um, obviously, I'm hoping nothing but the best for Eagle. Uh, I think he's a fantastic player uh, to watch. So um, I don't know. That's just kind of where I'm at with it. Well, you got anything to add on that besides what I said there? 
Yeah, I agree. It's it's kind of like what he wants to do. He wants to do. It's up to him. Uh, honestly, I don't know. I don't know. It's his business, like he said. Um, I know he posted a story that he did play. He played like a Wyoming tournament, and he won by like five or six. So he has been throwing. He's 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 going there. I think he signed up for the um, Champions Cup uh, in a few weeks. Um, so I think he's going to be healed up and ready to perform. But if he's not, then he's going to drop out. And I think wait till Jonesboro DDO. It's just, it's, it's tough because, uh, champions cups at WR Jackson and some of those shots you need to throw a sidearm or just like a Heiser flip turnover. So, um, then you go to Jonesboro and you need distance throws. And if his, his shoulders, arms, not ready for that, that's tough. Then even DDO, the next stop, I mean, it's just constant. I mean, even after that, OTB. So, like, the next six, seven, Portland, uh, you got all these courses that are going to require bombs. And, like, if he's not ready, I mean, he's not ready, you know. Yeah, it's it it's really kind of a, a tough situation. I mean, any injury in sports is going to be a tough situation. So, um, you know, this is kind of also, I, I would say, probably a little unprecedented territory for somebody at, at, at this day and age in this game being at this level and this kind of an injury, like it's just, it's a, such a storm, you know, perfect storm of things. So uh, like we said, uh, both of us, nothing but the best for Eagle. We want him to get healthy and get back out there and play. So uh, we'll leave it at that and see what he says when he gives updates, when he's ready. Uh, next thing, this one uh, just came out. Well, I should say it was, it was talked about on, on Nick and Matt just briefly. And uh, more information came out just today, just before we started recording this. Disc Golf Pro Tour announced that they are looking at getting some standardized baskets. I'm going to let you kind of take the lead on this one here, Jordan. This is this is exciting. Yeah, absolutely. And I read the article. I sent it to you. I basically just like I just said, finally, I mean, we're kind of it's kind of like that pros and cons right now. And I think it's about time where they need to, because, I mean, think about it each week you play on a different basket. I mean, th- this past, what was it? Belton, you played on the Discraft. Waco, you played on Prodigy. Um, Tyler, Texas for Texas States, you played on Latitude. Uh, people are going to Madison, or not Madison, uh, Mad City, or Tennessee. Music, sorry. music City. <laughs> music City, Madison City, same thing. Um, but they're playing on the Veterans. After that, they're going to Champions Cup. They're playing on Innova. So, I mean, they have five, six requirements, but... Um, I think I brought this up in the, in the past where it's just like, it's hard to say what the, the next step is with the pro tour, because I mean, uh, Maple Hill, you play on MVP, Ledgestone, you play on Discraft. Are you, you going to be potentially losing all that money for sponsor wise, because you can't do it. Or does the pro tour say like, all right, this is our basket. You could put your logo on it or like, like, like around it or like say like the koozies like that's the other way they could do it too so i think it's about time but then then again the hardest part is it's kind of like the basketball hoop like don't fix it unless it's broken and i mean it's it's pros and cons i mean i'm not the greatest putter so like it it doesn't matter to me it's like we all have to play on it it's it's all even but if you shrink the size you make the cage bigger you do all this and do that i mean there are the pros are gonna adapt to it they're going to adapt to do it. They're still going to make putts. It's kind of like the circles. Like you change the jump putt. We're going to adapt. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. So like, 
it it affects us but then it doesn't affect us that's how i think of it yeah i agree completely there i I know what was interesting to me is when this was brought up during um the nick and macho they were interviewing Paige pierce and uh a really great interview really really insightful too um but uh they asked or somebody called in and asked they've got the ability to do live call-ins we need to look into that um (laughs) they they asked her about standardized tea pads rather than baskets and this is where it got brought up which is really interesting because Paige brought up that she felt like it should be standardized at the tea pad because there's two things that are the same from start to finish for every player it's the tea pad and the basket and you know she brought up the same points that you were talking about how all sorts of different baskets and and we've talked before about how baskets catch differently and you know uh, the, just the chain configuration and the type of chains and the size of the chains all this other stuff so there's a lot of different different factors in there and i think i think it makes a whole lot of sense personally standardize as much as you can we've talked about basketball you made that reference earlier the hoop the you know the backboard is the same size the rim is the same size even the nets are supposed to be the same length the ball itself is the same size in ball golf the tees are all you, you tee from the same place you have the, the same area to tee from and the hole's the same size from course to course there so <clears throat> you know it's it's an interesting situation i think it's going to be fun to see how it plays out i know that they did say that this isn't something that's going to be overnight by any means page mentioned they're in right a couple years yeah yeah page mentioned they're in development they're looking at the baskets trying to create a basket but yeah it could be uh, a few years down the road so gonna be fun though i think that's something that definitely they should look towards uh pursuing a little bit more so this weekend now because we don't get any breaks uh we have a couple of tournaments big tournaments we have one silver series event and that would be the dynamic discs music city open um and this one's a this one's got a, a good number of players i mean we're looking at a lot of the top top rated players and even some of the you know middle range players are going to be there for sure um this being uh kind of a an interesting one this was uh mason ford last year right mason yeah mason ford won this last year when it was still it was the last national tour event on the the pdga national tour um so uh yeah a tournament that you know i'm kind of looking forward to i remember the course from last year watching the coverage is a lot of fun uh but another tournament that's got a few big name players we got to talk about a little bit is uh, Throw Down the Mountain out in Florida, which uh, as of right now, Paul Macbeth, Calvin Heimberg, and Thomas Gilbert, uh, Tim Barham, Alex Russell, Charlie Good, Pastor, some of the bigger names there. Uh, I was I was pleasantly surprised to see um, Thomas Gilbert's name on here, and I know we just talked about him, you know, DNF in the last course. I haven't seen anything about this tournament or anything like that, but uh, the dude kind of killed it in Florida this year already as far as the tournaments he was playing in January. So, you know, I'm sure he's probably ripping to, to, to get in there and play. And this is a tournament that Paul has played quite a few times. And obviously Calvin's from Florida. It makes a whole lot of sense. Um, so a little bit of a split roster between the two tournaments here this year, um, or this weekend, I should say going to be some interesting coverage though. I know the uh, music city open, like I said, silver series. So we're going to have the final round live on uh, disc golf network, uh, on their coverage sorry spacing out here so um yeah we'll have disc golf to watch for sure you got any big plans for the weekend at all jordan 
Not a whole lot. Chilling, chilling. Probably tuning in some coverage. I know Terry Miller's going to be at the Throw Down the Mountain, too. So I think he's out there already. Uh, that, that property is, I played that event uh, like three, four years ago, if not longer. But it's beautiful property. It's so They rent out the land from um, somebody who owns it and they put a temp course on it. It's only open for four or five weeks of the of the year and it's just beautiful tons of elevation you got the sawgrass the shot shapes are so cool it's it was probably one of my favorite events i played in in that year just because it's the first time where you hear about it that's the whole that like whole 18 simon through that big sky and he over the cliff down the cliff up the cliff and then he misses eagle pot um, but yeah it's, it's a cool cool area then nashville i've never i've never played that mill ridge course but um they did a lot of work i know like sean st Clair, the st Clairs, and the uh the whole crew at nashville they're they're awesome people they kill it they go always go above and beyond and i'm really excited just to see and just watch i mean obviously like i said we're gonna have coverage on both so it's just gonna be kind of uh practice for me and just kind of do a lot more putting um just kind of hang out i mean Busy, staying busy. I got a couple projects in the works. I uh, got something awesome coming. Um, I haven't. I don't think I told you yet, but there's something cool coming that I have. Um, I'll, once it's once it goes through the works and just everything finalized, uh, I'll be happy to share it. Nice, nice. Looking forward to that. Um, yeah, I throw it on the mountain. I remember the tournament. Like I remember seeing coverage from a few years back and. It was that was a really cool, like you said, like the the just the different elevations and everything. The course is beautiful. Like I really remember that course. I remember watching. Um, I know Michael Johansson was on the round that I was watching that I that sticks out in my head, just crushing it. And just man, that's that's a cool course. I'm glad Terry's going to be out there for some coverage. So very very good. Well, I've got just a, a couple other things here. I wanted to talk. I, I mentioned last week and kind of broke the news from my end last week that, uh, you know, I am officially Team Doomsday Disc. Uh, really cool. I saw them tweet out here today, and they let us know that they got um, some a bunch of protos in for their very first disc. So, and the, the fun thing about it is the message that they sent out said that, you know, they got lots of new protos to test out. It's a good thing they have a team to test them out. So that's really exciting from my end. I'm I'm super stoked on it. Um, gonna get a uh, uh, a disc dyed with the the Doomsday disc logo on it. Uh, going with a an Eclipse reactor. I thought that looked kind of cool, glowing with the Doomsday logo on there. So something to throw at tournaments, but uh, cool stuff. Anyways, let's move on here to our disc. I got a couple coming of MVP discs kinda... coming too. Oh. Do ya? You got a yep. couple MVP well, They'll discs? be coming soon. Yeah, coming. <laughs> soon. Always, always soon. Always soon. soon. Ugh, trademark. <laughs> All right. Disc review. We're coming back with the disc review. Uh, this week we went with the Axiom Insanity. Uh, I was stoked about this because this was the very first, uh, the very first MVP line disc that I ever held, period. So this was even before I got an Envy. Um, was the the Axiom Insanity, and um, I, I got one that was pretty beat in, so when I was new in the sport, really, really new in the sport, I was able to throw it a little bit and kind of liked it. Um, stuck around, I still have it, like, that's the crazy thing about it, but I've also got, like, four other ones now, because I love this disc. Uh, I think it's a nine-speed disc, if I remember correctly, and it's slightly understable, um, and, um, or understable, I should say, period. Um, but that's what I like about it, and I've got this really, really great Jordan Castro one 
you know, with some some sweet sparkles to it. And uh, it's become kind of what, what's crazy is it, I never would have imagined it. But just randomly, when I had it out, the first time I had it out, uh, I threw it forehand just just to try it because I was like, eh, I don't know, probably not. But I'll try it anyway, see what happens. Damn. Like, I mean, it it I don't know. I threw it just right, but it flexed for me nicely. And a money disc. I love the insanity. I don't know what else you can say about it. I'll let you talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. So the insanity, uh, one one awesome disc. So the flight numbers are nine five negative two one point five. So, uh, when I when I teach a lot of lessons, you're like, hey, what's one disc I would recommend or whatever? And it's the insanity because you can literally get it to go straight left and right. Um, easy distance. I've I've recommended so many times. People are like, dude. The insanity man, like awesome. I actually just put one in my bag, uh, just a couple after field work. So I'm throwing like a cosmic neutron, so like a super swirly one. Um, I throw at hyzer flips, uh, turnovers. It's just kind of a, a way for me to get that easy distance to go straight. And then if I throw it a little harder, I can throw it to the right a little bit, or even in that tailwind. It's kind of like that hyzer flip and just easy distance. Uh, a lot of that slower arm speeds, they can't get that disc to flip up or turn yet. So that recommendation with that insanity, you can, can go straight, get a little nice S, and just go in like it's so useful for that power, the slower, all the arm speeds, um, and especially all the plastics too. I mean, you have every every disc out there too. So uh, people that need that farther mid-range shot, insanity. People that need that farther fairway shot, as a disc but it's still a fairway it's that insanity so um yeah it's it's a good disc i highly recommend it and you should get your ones yeah definitely uh and while we're talking about the insanity uh if you're not taking our word for how good the insanity is i'm gonna take a little bit of a risk here i want you to reach out to gabe labounty who does the the roots of flight podcast because i sent him an insanity a month or two ago, and I don't remember him telling me how he liked it. So, Gabe, if you're listening, and I know you've listened a couple times, if you're listening now, hit me up. Let me know how that insanity is working for you, because uh, uh, if you're anything like us, I, I hope you're going to like the disc, that's for sure. Uh, it's a sweet disc. Definitely get it. You can find them. They're in stock. They, they're, lots of people have them. Um, definitely good stuff there. All right, let's get into the surprise stat of the week brought to us by PDGA Stats on Twitter. Um, every single week, this guy is sending me stats. It's fun because he actually sends me like three or four in a single message and gets lets me choose, which is super, super fun. Um, and I'm going to use a couple of them here from this time because it, it, it's cool stuff here. So we're going to talk FPO. We're going to talk Paige Pierce. Paige Pierce this weekend averaged 990. Okay, so up in that rating a little bit. She is 35 and 3 all time when she averages 990 or above. Two of those three losses have occurred since July of last year. So before July of last year, she was she was she'd only lost once with a 990 rating. So that says a lot about the FPO field and how far they're coming along. Um, but also I just 35 and three like that's that's crazy um and then the other part that i'm going to use here is it's been uh 224 days since Paige's last elite series win and that's the longest stretch that she had gone on since 2016 
So six years, and then, you know, again, we're talking about this FPO field. Man, that's crazy. Both of those, nuts. It's insane. had no idea. It's crazy what you can find. People do a little bit of research and you just see it and be like, unbelievable. Yeah, these these stats guys, I tell you what, now that they're getting involved in disc golf a little bit more, both Statmando, the guys over at Statmando, and PDGA Stats, and there's a few other ones out there too. It's so fun. And what's great to see is seeing the actual PDGA and DGPT start utilizing these stats even more. Um, and podcasts like us, and, and Nick and Matt use it all the time. I hear um, Smashbox reference them all the time, uh, and Statmando. So definitely very, very cool. I love this stuff. It's so fun to hear that stuff and just adds a whole new perspective to the sport, in my opinion. Um, good, good stuff, man. Let's see. That's the list that I have. Did I miss anything? No? All right. Excellent. Perfect. Well, then we're going to go ahead and close it out here. As always, we shout out all of our sponsors. We appreciate all of you guys. Don't forget that, uh, you know, we have special deals set up with uh, Cage Products. If you're looking for supplements, definitely check them out. I'll have the link in the uh, podcast notes. Also want to shout out uh, Double G's Craft Jerky. I've got some jerky coming your way, Mr. Castro. And, um, you know, we're going to do we're going to do a really cool like video where we're going to taste test some of these. So uh, record all that and get that up. And, you know, um, all of our other great, great sponsors. We can't thank you guys enough. Don't forget to check out our um, shirts while spacing our, our new shirts over on Store Frontier and watch in the future for maybe a little bit of a special shirt coming out. Um, courtesy of us, not something that I've even really mentioned too much to you, Jordan. Uh, but just keep an eye out. We're gonna we're working on something here. We're cooking something up and and gonna see how it goes. So gonna have a lot of fun with it. Uh, if you guys need anything, feel free to reach out to us. Let us know how you what you think of the show. We want some feedback too. So, uh, but as always, we appreciate you guys for listening. And um, yeah, wish you all the best. And we'll.